coming up. They were sitting there watching YouTube videos, um, just hanging out, kind of waiting to go home. And they were close to doing that. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. This past New Year's Eve, around 10.30 p.m., 18-year-old Jamie Malik Brown was hanging out with a friend in Portland, watching YouTube videos in the friend's car. It was an hour and a half before the countdown to midnight on the West Coast, and Jamie's family says they expected him to get home in time to celebrate the new year with them. But he didn't make it home. On December 31st, 2020, at approximately 10.29 p.m., there was a barrage of gunfire in the area of Northeast Durham Avenue and Northeast Madrona Street. Jameer was killed by that gunfire, the 55th and final Portland homicide of 2020. Tim Gordon, reporter with KGW in Portland. You've been doing some follow-up reporting on this case, which was the last homicide of 2020 in Portland. Introduce us to this case. First, tell us about the victim, Jameer Brown. Who was he? Yeah, Jamie Malik Brown, he's 18 years old, grew up in Portland his whole life. Um, he was close to graduating high school, Jefferson High School in, in Northeast Portland, where he grew up. Um, you know, and in talking to his mom and his aunt, he was a good kid. Never had any trouble with police, not involved in guns or gangs. And um, he was just sitting in a car with his friend uh, when they were shot and Jamie died. What else can you tell me about the night that this happened, December 31st? It was New Year's Eve and, and he was hanging out with a friend. What what did their night look like? Right. You know, New Year's Eve, um, Jameer's mom, Angela, told me they had a he was her youngest son, um, her baby. And um they had a New Year's Eve tradition of always being together. He didn't go out and do other parties, but he was home by you know, for midnight. She works late, so she'd get home and they'd have a big dinner together. They'd have whatever they wanted. He liked crab legs. She liked oxtail. So, you know, it was was a family evening later on around New Year's. But at this time of the night, he, Jamie, was out with his friend and they were sitting in the friend's car um, and they were just parked on a street kind of near Jamie's house. And the detective on this case tells me they were sitting there watching YouTube videos, um, just hanging out, kind of waiting to go home. And they were close to doing that when all these gunshots rang out, a barrage of gunfire, as the detective told me. And both both guys in the car, both Jamie and his friend, uh, were hit. And the friend, critically injured, was able to drive away about a mile from the, the area just to kind of escape danger if they could. Um, but by the time he got stopped again a mile away, Jamie was gone. As you said, investigators described the attack as a barrage of gunfire. And just to clarify, it's clear, or at least it seems clear, that the gunfire was targeted at the car Jamie and his friend were in. They weren't caught in crossfire or something like that, at least as far as we know, right? Yeah, there's been no mention of there being others that were the target and that they were in between that. Um, So I don't know, you know, we're speculating because detectives and the investigation has said very little about why this happened. 
You might wonder if it was mistaken identity um, or something else. Or, you know, one thing detectives really want is for anybody, if they saw anything of the vehicle that these uh, two boys, teenagers were in, they saw anything happen, you know, earlier in the nights, any altercation with somebody out on uh, out on the street or, you know, traffic incident or anything like that, anything. They, they want to hear about that because they're trying to piece together why would this happen. I'm especially a crime that's so... Um such a serious matter and where people have lost lives and people have been changed for their lives. Uh, we just really need the public's assistance to try to get us in the right direction on this case. And, and I will tell you, this was a, it was a 2006 uh, Chevy Malibu four door maroon color. And um, we have a picture of that on our website with our story and it's pretty shot up, but that's the vehicle that if anybody saw anything connected to that on new year's Eve, 2020, Police definitely want to hear from you. You mentioned Jamie's friend was also shot and injured, but survived and, and was actually able to drive a little ways to escape danger. Have we heard his account of what happened either from him directly or through investigators? You know, a, a little bit, Reed. I mean, just the fact that we know that through investigators that they were um, sitting in the vehicle pl- watching YouTube videos. Right. I have to think came from the other victim. Yeah. But the, but the other victim has remained unnamed. They don't want to come forward. I would have liked to have talked to them for our story about Jamir as well, but that wasn't possible. So we, we really don't know uh, the whole account from from that young man. We do know that the detectives say he was it's a miracle that he survived. He was critically injured and how he was able to drive a mile away is is pretty phenomenal. But um, he did survive, but he was he was badly, badly hurt. What else then have detectives had to say about their investigation? How are they going about trying to figure out who could have done this? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, it, 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 I, one thing I'll say is Portland detectives are very overworked right now. There's a, a lot of gun violence and homicides, and, and uh, so they're very busy on this case. I mean, it's six months old. Uh, I think they're honestly waiting for somebody to come forward and say something. When I asked, you know... Uh, What's the status of this case? Do you have any leads? Uh, the answer I got from Detective Anthony Merrill, who's the lead detective on this, was this is a case where we really need the public's help help to uh, move it forward. So that tells me they're waiting for somebody to take advantage of uh, some reward money or just do the right thing and uh, give them some information that gets gives them a break. I'll say this is a Crime Stoppers uh, case. This is a $2,500 reward uh, in, for for this case from them, but also family and friends raised another six thousand dollars. So there's actually eighty five hundred dollars worth of reward money. Um, so hopefully that'll motivate somebody. That was part of what we really wanted to publicize with the story was to let people know about that reward money. Hopefully get somebody to feel like it's worth it to come forward and say something. Um, not that they shouldn't do that, just for the the goodness of it. Looking at the broader picture of gun violence and violent crime in Portland that Jamir's case is unfortunately a part of. Can you give us at least some idea of how common or uncommon it is for a homicide case in the city to go unsolved? Yeah, you know, I don't have the exact numbers, but looking through the list of the 55, I'm going to guess that roughly, you know, maybe 30, maybe a third of them are unsolved. Um, uh, maybe a little bit more. So there, there are a lot. There are a lot of them that you know. Uh, clearly, there was an obvious culprit, and an arrest was made, and court proceedings go forward. But there, there are quite a number of them that are unsolved.
I want to talk a little bit more about Jamie. You spoke with his mother and his aunt who requested that they not be identified. Did they say why it was that they made that request? They're afraid of the gun violence. We're blurring your faces because you're frightened by all the gun violence. Yeah. They could come back against you. Yeah. They're afraid of the gun violence. They're afraid of retribution for speaking out. Um, you know, of course, as a TV news reporter, I'm visual as well. I always love to see, I want to see people's faces. I want people to be able to express, you know, their emotions. It's great to be able to see someone's eyes in that case. But, but I would be the last person to tell them that they, uh, should do that if they weren't comfortable with it. Cause, um, you know, I mean, I think it's a real fear uh, and it's understandable that they feel that way. A little bit more about Jameer though, and what they told me about him, you know, he was 18 years old, as I said, about ready to graduate. He was close to graduating from Jefferson high school here in Portland. He was six, three, um, or a good looking guy. Um, uh, his mom called him a gentle giant because he was really soft spoken. Like they say, like a gentle giant. Cause he's six, three, but he's very mild mannered and, very uh, soft-spoken, and uh, he loves soccer, and he loved basketball. He loves soccer. He loved basketball. But, you know, he also, um, because he grew up as a teenager, he, he liked to draw. He was into drawing. He was into photography, of course, music as well. Um, he had a girlfriend for the last year of his life, um, and she liked to do photography too, but they were they were quite close the last year of his life. So, he, you know, he and his mom said, you know, he was— he was a good young man, and he was just trying to find his way in life and figure out what he was going to do, and um, he's not getting that chance now. Yeah, but he was trying to figure out his life, and he was a young, good man. Mm -hmm. Young, good man. Kind. Very kind. Right, yeah, you mentioned all these different interests, photography, basketball, soccer, drawing, and with you know graduation season upon us now, I imagine that's difficult for the family. Did they share with you what he was hoping to do after high school, what his future might have looked like had it not been stolen from him? You know, I, I think that it, he was, as she said, still trying to find his way. He had a job as well, um, a part-time job, but um, I think it wasn't clear exactly what he wanted to do. He had pretty broad interest, but um, but it wasn't clear yet for him. And uh, as she said, he was he was still finding finding that out. As, you know, most 18-year-olds are. And unfortunately, it sounds like Jamie's family members are just as stumped as investigators as to why or how this could have possibly happened. Is his family hopeful that they will get those answers someday? Or, or what did they express to you as far as their thoughts on the investigation itself now five plus months after Jamie was killed? <sighs> yeah, no, I, I don't know if hopeful is the right word. Maybe um, and desperate's a little too strong, but that's certainly what they want. They certainly want... Um, some answers so they, they can have some closure on this part of, of this journey for them. So, um, you know, I, th I think they, they want to be hopeful. They want to be hopeful. Not good. I miss my son yeah. every day. Like, I, I just feel like it's not real. It's like, I mean, he was my baby, and he didn't deserve this at all. And you mentioned that there is a reward. Before I let you go, I'll let our listeners know that they can learn more about this case. They can see images of that Chevy Malibu uh, and check out your reporting at kgw.com. Tim Gordon, thanks for sharing this story. Reed, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Daily Crime. As you've probably gathered, we're daily. We're here five days a week, Monday through Friday. And the best way to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes is to hit subscribe or follow on whatever podcast app you're listening on right now. If you're looking for more podcasts after that, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows. 
Until next time, for Volt Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.